Well, this, uh, for us Anglicans, is uh, the last day of the church year. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, next, next Sunday, we start with the first Sunday of Advent. We start a new church year. Uh, so today is traditionally called, do you know? Supposed to be all saints, do No. Mm-hmm. Points off the joy. Christ the King. We end, it's called, today's called Christ the King Sunday. So we end the church year with this uh, celebration of and understanding of Jesus reigning over all of us. That Jesus is uh, risen, ascended, seated on the throne. He is King. That's how we end this church year. And as scripture talks a lot about Jesus as king, as I'm sure you know, one of the readings that's assigned for today in the Anglican Church's lectionary, which is, which is slightly different to the one we use in the Book of Common Prayer, the gospel reading is from John chapter 18, which is when Jesus is on trial before Pilate. Uh, and he says, My kingdom is not of this world. And then, kind of in the middle, which is bracketed because it's not really relevant to what I'm saying, Jesus says, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So he's on trial, and he's being asked, Do you, are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response, to paraphrase, well, you say I'm king, that's what people are saying. But my kingdom isn't of this world. If it were, my servants would be fighting to arrest me because to protect me when I'm being arrested because that's what followers of an earthly king would do. But my kingdom is from another place. And that's very important because, you see, when we hear the word kingdom, king, we, of course, often think of a geographical area, don't we? We do, don't we? Jean, you're looking totally mystified this morning. <laughs> See, I'm from, as you know, I'm from the UK where we have a monarchy. And uh, Queen Elizabeth, or whoever will succeed her, um, she reigns over the geographical area of the United Kingdom. That's what it means for her to be queen, or when there's a king, for him to be king. And the kingdom is bounded geographically. But Jesus is saying, my kingdom isn't like that. My kingdom isn't about a physical place. It's not an area that you rule over. But it's wherever my will is done. Throughout scripture and throughout the gospels particularly, whenever Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about not a physical place bounded by geography, but wherever God's work is done, wherever the work that he has come to do is done in his name. Which says to us something very important. You know, sometimes we hear people saying, such and such a country, and I hear this a lot in the UK, I hear it a bit less here, but I've certainly heard it a lot in the UK and with reference to some of my American friends. This country is a Christian country. And I kind of understand what people want to try and get at there, but but the point is that Jesus doesn't seem to think like that. He thinks about where God's work is done rather than trying to claim a country 
or a geographical area for oneself. And that's very important. My kingdom is from another place. A God who reigns over everything anyway. But his kingdom is where his will is done. Now one of the most powerful pictures of Jesus as king comes at the outset of the book of Revelation. Revelation, as we said before, is an extraordinary and complex book. And at the outset, even before the letters to the seven letters to the seven churches, which you'll be familiar with, and then these visions which paint a broad brushstroke picture of how history plays out, John has this incredible picture, image, revelation of Jesus. Not the Jesus that we are all familiar with, but this risen, ascended, glorified, majestic Jesus. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance of the ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyretia, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. It's an incredible picture, isn't it? And it's one of those passages of scripture that if we were to try and reproduce it visually, it would kind of, well, we almost don't have a visual language for it. We barely have a written or spoken language for it. It's extraordinary. Now, Revelation is a, is a book that is is written, as you're probably aware, and we've referred to before, to people who are being persecuted. People who are being persecuted for the faith. I mean, John, as that passage alludes to, he's in exile on the island of Patmos, which is almost certainly where he died. If you're in exile, you're scared, you're frightened, you're alone. John has been sent there because of his work for Jesus. Being in exile is the very definition of being on someone else's territory, enemy territory almost. Not your home. This isn't my place. How scared would John have felt? 
and he has this incredible revelation of Jesus, the King, the Mighty One, the Awesome One. And the first thing this says to us is that because Jesus' kingdom is wherever his work is done, that means we are never not at home. Do you see what I mean? We are always where Jesus is. We are always under Jesus' reign. I've had that experience as a kind of over nearly nine years that I've been here now. Can you believe that? You've had to put up with me for nine years. I mean, no wonder Rosemary's gone great. <coughs> but, you know, moving here from a foreign, from a foreign country, from the UK, you, you don't, you, there are times, of course, when you feel homesick, where you kind of long for family or friends or just how the way you grew up. You, you, you all know what I mean. But actually, in doing so, I'm never out of Jesus' reign. Because if, if I'm doing the work of Jesus that he has invited me to, I'm where his kingdom is. And it doesn't matter, in a sense, geographically where I am. And I don't want to minimize the pain of being removed from your home, if that's what some people have experienced. And homesickness is a real thing, but, but, but the message to us is, whatever that pain, Jesus is there. If you're doing the work of the king what he has called you to, what he has invited you to, what he has sent you to do, then you are under his reign and his authority, and he is with you. And even though the, the physical soil may be unfamiliar to you, he is watching over you. He is with you. And what a Jesus it is who is looking over us. That incredible picture dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash. Hair, and, it, and then this is where kind of John is kind of reaching after words to try and describe it, because he doesn't say his hair was white. He says his hair on his head was white like wool. He's kind of reaching after words that will somehow explain what he's seeing. And it, he's aware that they're imperfect words. It's white like wool. It's not wool, but it's like wool. And his eyes were like blazing fire. I mean, of course, his eyes weren't blazing fire, but there was something so compelling about his eyes. And on and on it goes. So what John is presenting to us is that the king who watches over us really is, as Jesus said when he was on trial in John chapter 18, from another place. He is majestic and he is so glorious that our words cannot contain him or describe him adequately. It was God's immense grace that in the incarnation, which we will celebrate soon at Christmas, God in Jesus kind of divested himself, shed his glory for a brief time so that we could see God in a way that we could handle. God, as the message has, with skin and bones on, God taking on flesh and moving into the neighbourhood. But the God we will one day stand before, the king who will judge us, the king who we will stand before and live with for eternity in a new creation, is this majestic, indescribable king. So beautiful, so powerful, that we don't have adequate words to describe him. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That's the king who watches over you. That's the king who goes back with Axel today, you know. 
in the Cameroon Axel's home, where, his, where Axel's feet tread doing the work of Jesus. That king reigns over him and over Jean and over me and over Lance and over Rosemary, all of us. Wherever we go to do the work of Jesus, that incredible king reigns over us. I think that's magnificent news. Mm. So how do we respond to that? Well, one phrase that I heard, and I've tried to find the origin of this, and I don't know, it's maybe just one of those things that people say, but but one that had a big impact on me was um, live your life in such a way that it only makes sense if God exists. Live your life in such a way that it only makes sense if God exists. Because we have such a powerful king in Jesus, such a majestic, such a beautiful, such an indescribable king, the invitation to me is to live my life in such a way that it only makes sense if he actually really is king. Which means responding to his invitation to do the work of Jesus. And each of us has our own call in that. What is your call? What is my call? And that's part of what we've been looking at with the discovery groups. What is my call from Jesus? What does he want me to do? It's justice, it's joy, it's generosity, it's healing, it's service. Whatever it is for each of us. We need to live in such a way that we can only explain it with reference to God. Jesus is indescribable king whose power is available to us. To flow into us and flow through us to those around us. Hospitality. There was a British politician from the Labour Party, which is the party that's in opposition. It's the party on the... Those of you who don't understand British politics, and there are a lot of us at the moment who don't really understand <laughs> British politics, but the Labour Party is the party on the left and the Conservative Party is the party on the right. And British politics is chaos at the moment because of... Oh, gosh, I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, one prominent Labour politician said today, said this week, I could not be friends with a Conservative. And that's how divided our world is. That's how divided our world is. But I'm just focusing on hospitality because that comment struck me this week. But true Christian hospitality says we're going to reach out across divides like that. And we're going to sit down and eat together. See, Christian hospitality isn't just extending a welcome to the people who are like us and who we like. Although that's good and important to do, obviously. True Christian hospitality is sitting down and eating and building relationships together with the people who are not like us and who we might say, if we didn't have God, I couldn't be friends with that person. They reach out across the divides that people create because we could only do that. That would only make sense if God exists and if Jesus, our majestic, indescribable King, reigns over us and whose power flows to us and through us. Our job as subjects of this King is to alert people who don't know to the reign of King Jesus. Through healing, through words, through acts of grace and justice, through generosity, through hospitality, through kindness, whatever it is. Bringing an awareness of and evidence of the kingship of Jesus to every place we go and everything we do and every person we encounter in such a way that it only makes sense if there's a king in heaven. 
this beautiful uh, encouragement and reassurance to us that there is such a king wherever we go and do his work. And it's a beautiful challenge to us as well to say, well, let me live to point to that king. Let me live in such a way that it only makes sense if we're serving that king who's so indescribable but in his grace and mercy through his spirit makes his home in our hearts and does his work through us to point others to his reign. Let's take some quiet as we seek to reflect on what God is saying to us.